0: Today we welcome Diana Lewis of Benton, Arkansas. Diana is a retired missionary with the North American Mission Board. Diana has a BA in Sociology and Religious Education from Washita Baptist University. She has a Master's of Religious Education from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Diana and I worked together when we were with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Diana, We're so excited about having you here today. We've had more than a few adventures all over the planet. What is one of your favorite memories of someplace we've been? We have had some exciting adventures,
1: but I think for me, our trip to South Africa is one of my favorites. I loved seeing the beauty of God's creation there and experiencing the elephants and the other animals And also we had an opportunity to worship with women from all over the world. We did. And I'll never forget the Nigerian women in particular in their native dress and dancing and singing and praising the Lord. That was very heaven-like, I think, and I really loved it. It was a
0: wonderful experience, a once-in-a-lifetime adventure. It was fun. One of the things that I think about when I think about of our adventures together is an early image I have of you. Diana worked in a ministry in central Arkansas called Dixonville with a little impoverished community, almost like an Appalachian community here in central mm-hmm. Arkansas. And one image I have, when you took me out to Dixonville, One of the children saw your car coming down the road. He was on his bicycle, and there were a lot of ruts on the road. He was pedaling as fast as he could, and he couldn't get to you fast enough. And I remember he jumped off his bicycle so he could run to get to you quicker. And I've always had that image and thinking about what kind of missionary do children ditch their bikes for so they could run toward to get to her faster and I just remember that image.
1: That was a special
0: ministry for me and that little boy's name was Tyler. You and I worked together a lot of years at Arkansas Baptist State Convention and now that you are retired your journey has changed quite a bit. One of your new ministries has to do with grief. Tell us about your journey with grief, Diana. Well,
1: 2007 my husband John was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he lived four months was all. Um, so even though I don't like the label of the word widow, I
0: became a widow at age 53. I remember that and I remember I remember the week he was diagnosed with cancer because you were North American. Mission Board Missionaries, and it was the Week of Prayer for North American Missions, and you were featured missionaries. I remember that people from all over the United States, all over the world, really, were praying for you that week without even knowing your situation.
1: Yes, that was a real blessing for me and John because the actual day on the Week of Prayer that we were featured... We were at the hospital in Little Rock just finding out how extensive his cancer was. And it was such a blessing to us to know that people, lots of different places, were praying for us. So if you're out there and you pray for missionaries and you wonder sometimes if it makes a difference, I just want you to know that even though you might not meet many of the missionaries you pray for in this life that it makes a difference for us to know that you pray for us.
0: Absolutely. He was diagnosed in March and he lived just four months. Till July, yes. That's quite an adjustment in four months time. Mm -hmm. Your life changing completely in four months. Yes.
1: Yes, it was. I mean, I had I had such a blessing of um, friends who took care of me and family. My son came home from seminary because I needed him here, and my sister, my brother, my friends. It was an exhausting time. It was a confusing time for me to think about, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? I knew my life would never be the same, but I also knew that God was always with me. And that verse from 2 Timothy, verse 17 of chapter 4, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. And there have been times when I've been in church, even recently, because going to church by myself is the most difficult thing for me to do
0: by myself. I remember you said that all these years.
1: And even recently, I was in church one day and feeling very alone. But I just pictured, I just pictured Christ standing beside me, like this verse says, to give me strength. And um, I don't know exactly what He looks like, but I just decided I was really going to picture Him right there with me. And that really, that verse has helped me.
0: Yeah. Wow. On this journey of grief, tell us what you've learned about grief.
1: I guess for me, one of the first things I would say is it is just the most exhausting thing to go through. Now, I've never gone out and dug a ditch for all day long, but I can't imagine it would be more exhausting physically and emotionally exhausting to walk through grief because you have to walk through it you can't you can't go around it
0: you and there ha- are no shortcuts
1: there are no shortcuts you have to go through it however you grieve but you have to go through it because when you love deeply you're going to you're going to grieve deeply i also know it's a real roller coaster ups and downs. You can feel like all of a sudden you've gone over that hill of the roller coaster and you're going down just in a split second it can change and that's very normal. I had a Christian counselor I went to several times during the journey and one time I called to see if I could see her because it had been more than two years since I lost John. But all of a sudden I just got very emotional and felt like I was falling apart. And so I went to see her and I said, why all of a sudden did I feel this way? And I'll never forget what she said to me because it was a very wonderful visual picture for me. She said, the trash can got full. And it just had to tip over. (laughs) And I'll never forget that because that helped me to picture. It's like, okay, maybe I hadn't been emotional or sad for a while. And it just, the trash can of emotions or grief just got full and
0: it had to tip over. Yeah. I remember when my dad died, I remember thinking, okay, that was the last tear. You know, that's the last tear, um... I po- there, there can't possibly be any more tears. And then all of a sudden a fresh wave will come over you out of nowhere. Yes. Yes. Um, there can be
1: anger. The winter after John died, I was awakened one night, and I could hear something gnawing in my wall. At least I was hoping it was just in the wall. <laughs> it was a mouse or a rat in the wall, and the gnawing was so loud I couldn't sleep. I had to spend the next three nights at a friend's house. And so the next day, I called the pest control guy, and he came and helped take care of it. But I was so angry that John wasn't here to help me deal mm. with that problem And so the phrase that came to my mind that I still use from time to time because there have been much worse things to deal with without him than that. But the phrase that came to my mind was, you're off enjoying the good life and I'm stuck here dealing with this. (laughs) And that's kind of my phrase that I say to him sometimes when I'm mad that he's not here. So sometimes there's anger and that's normal too. And... Another thing for me that I've noticed, and just, there are just so many different things to grieve about. For me, it was the loss of a spouse. I mean, it could be the loss of a friend or a child or a parent. I mean, there's loss, the loss in death of people, but there can also be the loss of a relationship with somebody. The loss of your health or the health of someone you love. A loss of income. I've talked to people that the loss of them having to move away to a new place mm-hmm. and missing the people they love. There's just so many types of loss in yes. grief. And also, everyone grieves differently. Not everybody grieves the same way.
0: Yeah, everyone does grieve differently. My husband, as you know, Frank is a hospice chaplain, and he constantly reminds me that there are basically two ways to grieve. People can use a blend of the two methods, but usually one is dominant. There's intuitive grief, and moving forward involves exploring and expressing feelings and progressing through the pain in order to heal. And a person who grieves intuitively is usually like an open book, and they're Expressions mirror their feelings, but then there are instrumental grievers and it's more thinking than feeling and it's an inward process. It's a quiet process with less expression of emotions. Often instrumental grievers will do projects. They may think I can't fix my son but I can fix the fence. That's something they can have control over. Sometimes you'll hear people whose preference is intuitive grief say things like, my brother's not grieving. I can't get him to open up and talk about dad. When the truth is he's grieving every single mm-hmm. day. He's just doing it in a different way. Yes. And so intuitive grief, instrumental grief, which is better? Either is fine. The important thing is to express your grief. Yes. Yes. It can be hidden deep within you. You just have to let it work its way out. You have to cry, scream, yell if you need to, or express your grief through music or poetry or art or building things. Whether you express your grief with a safe person you trust or do it completely in private, the important thing is to start letting it work its way out. Mm-hmm. Diana, what encouragement would you give someone today who might be grieving? I hope if you're
1: out there today listening and you're grieving about a loss or a change or something going on in your life, I hope first and foremost that you will just have hope, cling to hope, even If you're having a moment today when you don't feel very hopeful about your future or about what's going on, cling to hope, hope found in Jesus Christ. His hope is what we find our hope in. There's that old hymn that we sing, our hope is found in nothing less Mm -hmm, than than Jesus' Jesus' blood blood and righteousness. righteousness. Absolutely. And remember that God is with you even when you don't feel like it. One of my favorite verses during my grieving has been Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Remember that verse. Remember that God is with you even when you don't feel like it. Just remember that He is holding you. His arms are underneath you. Sandy and I have already just talked about this, but just let yourself grieve. God made us with the ability to grieve. We won't all grieve the same way as we've talked about, but let yourself grieve. It can be so unhealthy to not find a way to grieve.
0: It's going to work its way out one way or another. It is. And if you don't deal with it now, you are going to deal with it later.
1: Right. And it might come out in an unhealthy way in your physical or your emotional health. I like to kind of say it this way. Don't let the noun grief only exist for you.
0: Tell me a little bit what you mean by that.
1: Say that again and tell me what you mean by it. Okay. Don't let the noun grief only exist for you. But also the verb grieving. Don't just think of it as a a thing. Think of it as it's an action. Okay. To let yourself grieve, to be grieving. Okay. I think there's a difference if you think about it. A noun can just be a
0: person, place, or thing.
1: Yeah. But a verb is an action. I don't know if that makes
0: sense. It's it, just it does. The way it, I thought of it. And it requires effort. A noun can just be there, but a verb requires effort or doing something with yes. it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That does make sense.
1: I would also encourage you if you're grieving, don't be afraid to reach out. The Christian life is bearing each other's burdens and sharing each other's joys and praying for one another and helping one another. So don't be afraid to reach out. I remember one night a few months into my grieving for John that I had to call someone in my church that I didn't know very well at that point, but she had lost her husband. And I just needed to reach out to someone who understood what I was going through. And from that, grew a friendship and a grief Bible study later. So don't be afraid to reach out to somebody else. I think that's really important. I would encourage you to find a balance in your daily life in the midst of your grief. You will need time alone to grieve however you are grieving whether it's emotional or in doing something and you need time to rest because it's so exhausting but also don't shut yourself off from others find a balance in your time call your friends find someone you can share what you're going through with if you can I encourage you to go to a Christian counselor. When I went to mine, I always left feeling more normal, feeling better. So if that's possible for you, I would encourage you to think about it.
0: Yeah, when you're when you're grieving, if you haven't gone through grief, you may not know this, it feels like you are in a fog. And you do wonder Am I going crazy? Mm Mm-hmm, yes. So it helps for somebody
1: to tell you, it's okay what you're feeling. Yeah, it's normal. It's
0: normal. You're gonna be okay. You know, when when Dad died, one of the hardest things I had trouble with was the world going on. Mm -hmm. When you've experienced great loss and people are so compassionate through the funeral but then they get back to normal and you don't get back to normal. And I tell people, you never will get back to normal. You just, this is a new normal for you and you just have to learn how to live in the new normal.
1: Yes. Another couple things that I would say would be even in the midst of it, look for ways you can see the blessings in your life a home to live in, food to eat, friends and family who love you. For me, it was friends I could call, and they would come when I was really sad. It was a sister who, for 13 years, has called me every day since I lost John. The blessing of a sweet dog named Grace, who reminds me of God's grace a son, a daughter-in-law, and then God sent two beautiful adopted Korean grandsons who bring me so much joy. Neighbors I've gotten to know. Your blessings may be different from mine, but there are blessings even in the middle of the
0: grief. Diana, what's one of the kindest things that you remember somebody doing for you that was unexpected? I'm sure there were a lot of unexpected blessings. Do you remember some particular act of kindness? Well, one of the things
1: that I wanted to say tonight was, as we, as we begin talking about what other people can do if you have someone who's grieving that's your friend or family, is to not be afraid to ask that person who's grieving over the loss of a person, if it's okay if you talk about that person. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because we miss getting to talk about our person. And one of the greatest gifts I got was a childhood friend of mine, who I don't see that often, and therefore she didn't know John well at all. And the first time we were together after I lost John, she looked at me and she said, tell me about John. Hmm. It was one of the most wonderful gifts yeah. that I received because she wanted to know about him. Yeah. And I love it when people still say something about his paintings today. Mm-hmm. They're almost 13 years later, I received a text from a friend of mine who's grieving that I try to keep contact with. She lost a child and and she wants me to go to her cabin. She said, some of John's paintings he did for us are there, and I want you to come see them. Oh, and sweet. so those kind of things touch me. It's like him living on through, besides through my son, it's him living on through people he touched. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great gift you
0: can give somebody. Yeah. One of the things that I tell people that are grieving is, be patient with what people may say to you. Because as helpful as Christians want to be, sometimes they say and do things that are very unhelpful. And I try to tell people that are grieving, please be patient because it is so painful to look at someone else's grief and they don't know how to respond. And sometimes they'll say or do things that have the opposite effect of what they intend. I remember you saying one day you were in a store and one of John's best friends saw you and he turned around and went the other way just because he didn't know what to say. and. Looking at someone's pain and grief is unbearable.
1: I think as we minister to people who are grieving or being a friend to them, because I also had friends say to me, I didn't come because I didn't know what to say. I think you don't need words because there really aren't words. There aren't words. There absolutely not. Words are not going to really... Do it for us when we're grieving, unless you just, if you know the person well and you just say, I love you, or you say, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here.
0: That's the important part, being present. Right. With a person.
1: Right. To spend time going to visit, I know people are so busy, but I think about, people bringing children by to see me during part of my grief and just letting them love on me a minute and letting me love on them. I think even in people's busy schedules, and it's such a teaching moment with children about loving people who are grieving 20 minutes once a month when your family's out in the car to just stop. To just stop for a few minutes and visit with somebody on their front porch or let the children make a card. In this social media age, cards are kinda lost. People like getting mail. Yeah. But don't be afraid about the words. You don't have to have words. Just just go. Yeah. Just go and hug. Or if it's not somebody would hug, just go and say, I just want to come see you. That's all you have to say. I had to see you. I needed to see you.
0: I like what you said about the children making cards or sending mail. I remember one of our friends that lost his wife, he said he dreaded the day going to the mailbox and there wouldn't be a card. Mm
1: hmm yes.
0: That's an important part. It is. Of grieving.
1: Because grief is such a long journey. It's not over quickly. So when you can remember that and find little ways, doesn't have to be big ways. Little ways are the best to just let somebody know you care. Yeah. Maybe some days it's just taking time to send a text. Anybody can find time to do that.
0: What can we do to minister to someone who is grieving?
1: Well, I'm gonna start with one of my pet peeves about oh. grieving.
0: Okay. <laughs> I think I've heard this
1: before. And I hope it doesn't sound harsh. I don't mean for it to be. But sometimes people will say, oh, she's being so strong. When that person isn't outwardly being emotional, I think is a lot of times when it's said. But I believe personally, this is just my personal thought, but I believe it's a strength when someone can let their self grieve, however it is that they grieve. And so I just think we need to be careful because if that person would hear that being said, oh, you're being so strong when they're being unemotional outwardly, then that might make them think next time they were emotional, well, I must be weak because I'm sad or I'm crying. So I just wanted to share that because I just don't want us to do anything to hinder someone who might need to grieve in this way.
0: You know, I think we do that with adults, but I've seen it done so often with children. Mm-hmm. He's been such a strong young man. Yes. You need to be strong for your family. Exactly. And we set the children up to think that it's wrong to grieve.
1: Yeah, in our society kind of expects people to get over their grief really quickly
0: we do after the funeral you should be over your grief right That's like we, we do everything everything
1: yes. has to be done quickly mm-hmm. now and that even enters in with grief and it's not yeah. a
0: it's not a short process no it's not and you know I tell people you're gonna think if I can just get through the funeral things will start to get better And once you get through the funeral, that's when the work of grief really starts.
1: Yeah. I think another way that we can minister to people who are grieving that does have to do with words. One of the things that I like to say to someone who says to me when I ask them how they are, which is really a loaded question when someone's grieving, you may not know at any given moment how you are but when somebody says to me I'm okay and that that's okay that they say I'm okay but I like to say back to them I hope you are doing okay but with me it's also okay on some days for you to tell me I'm not okay today people need to hear that from some people it may need to be some of their closest friends not everybody Are they going to want to share everything with? But I like being able to give people that knowledge that I'm okay with if they're not okay sometimes because sometimes they're not. And to say to them, you can talk about any of it with me and that's okay.
0: Yeah. But some people have to be given permission.
1: Absolutely.
0: To do that.
1: Yeah. Another thing, especially if, The person that's grieving was part of a couple. If it's they lost their spouse. It's so hard when many of your friends are couples. But I like it when the couple would say to me, you want to go eat lunch with us after church on Sunday? Mm -hmm. And I might not, some days I might not have felt like it. So I had the freedom to say no, but to be invited and to be included. Yeah. Cause sometimes you don't feel included anymore mm-hmm. when you used to be a couple and you hung out with couples and it can be a real blessing for them not to feel alone because church day Sundays is a hard day when you're grieving yeah
0: it's hard to, I, I've heard you say it's so hard to go to church it would be hard to come back to an empty house after church yes so yeah yes it's a great idea
1: I think for me, the number one thing I would encourage you in your ministry, reaching out to someone in grief is to decide if you're willing to walk the long journey with them because that's really what they need. That's what anyone who's hurting about anything needs. They need someone willing to walk the long walk with them and to not give up when it gets hard. That doesn't mean you can do everything for them. You can't take away their grief. And sometimes we think that we can. We can solve it for them. You can't. All you can do is walk that long journey with them. It's not over in two weeks. It's not over in two months. It's not over in two years. But you can be there in that ever-changing long journey that they're on.
0: I remember you saying one time, don't just say to people, call me if you need me. Give a practical idea of something you can do and ask them if you can do it. Like, may I come over and mow your lawn? But don't just say, call me if you need me. Call them and say, I want to bring my family Saturday
1: afternoon for an hour. What can we do? Can we climb up on the ladder and clean out your gutters?
0: Can we change your light bulbs? Can we
1: change your light bulbs? Can we rake your leaves? Can we help you burn the brush pile that's out in your front yard like going on with me right now? (laughs) Practical things, but also while you're doing that, you're encouraging them. Mm -hmm. You're living out your faith and that blesses their faith. And they don't feel forgotten. I think to just keep praying for them. I think about all those people that prayed for John and me when he was sick during the week of prayer. Thank you for that. And to just walk that long journey with someone who's grieving or someone who feels alone. Those are the most important things.
0: Well, I like to say to those of you who are listening, as Diana has already suggested, if you need help, processing grief, please reach out to a friend or a loved one or a professional. Diana, thank you for being willing to share about your journey of grief with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And I'd like to say to you, remember that God is with you even when you feel like he is far away. And I love the verse you shared. The eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Thank you for listening to On the Journey Conversations.